Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Oak City Church. We're really glad that you tuned in this morning. I'm even more glad that a week from now we will be back together in this room. And it has been, it will have been one year, two months, three weeks, and one day. But who's counting? Who's counting? I'm counting. I'm counting because I cannot wait until we're all back together. Um, and, and you should not be able to wait to. Uh, COVID in so many different ways has been a, a struggle, a grind, a fight. And, um, and, and I'm so thankful that so much of that is coming to end. This has been the biggest probably part of my struggle has been this and our struggle as a church. And as John said earlier, um, unless something crazy happens, um, that this part will be over starting next week and we'll be back in this room every single week. And so uh, we would love to see you here. I'm going to start a series called Why You Need the Church More Than Ever. Um, and it's a great time to re-engage the church. Now, I know that when it comes to re-engaging the church, you are in different places. Some of you have never engaged Oak City Church or never, you haven't engaged the church and you've been watching online. And so it's a decision to come for the first time and meet the people who are Oak City Church. And that's awesome. I'm so excited about that. We're going to keep the live stream growing because I think that's what people are going, it's what I would do if I was going to find a church is I would get some recommendations and I would check out snippets of their live stream and then I'd watch a whole service and before I ever, you know, set foot in the building. I've said this a bunch of times that church is a really scary place to go if you haven't been to church in a while. And so that makes perfect sense to me and I'm really glad uh, that, that you did that. Um, a couple, couple months ago, I guess now, at one of the outdoor services, there was a couple, someone said, hey, there's a new couple. And so I went, introduced myself, said, I'm Jeff. And I realized I haven't done this for a year and I couldn't remember whether I tell them then that I'm the pastor or I wait them to, for them to figure that out when I get up to speak. And they're like, oh, hey, you're, we watched the live stream. You're the pastor, aren't you? And I'm like, this is awesome. It's such a great tool. And so we're really glad that you have tuned in. We would love to see you here. You, you have to show up. A church is not a TV show. Church is not even a Sunday service. It's certainly not a building. It is a group of people uh, called by God to be a family. That is the church, and God wants you to be a part of it. So that could be you. You could be ready to come back. Oak City Church has been your church. It is your church, and it will be your church. And you have been waiting to get back. And, and if you're in that camp, we've probably already seen you at some events or the outdoor services. And so uh, we're just excited for you to be here and to be back together. And some of you may be reluctant to come back. And that could be related to COVID. You know, um, a week ago, uh, I went into the grocery store for the first time in a year. And I thought, this is so weird to be in this space. You know, and that's, it's going to feel a little weird um, being in church with a group of people just because we were not used to doing that. And I understand that. You know, John laid out the mask thing. I'll tell you this about COVID. About six months ago, I realized this, that for any leader in, in COVID, I think this is true, and certainly for us, that every decision like this you make about masks and gathering and all that stuff, you feel like you're making a very hard decision. You're make, making it based on information that you don't really trust. Um, you know that whatever decision you make, you're going to frustrate a third to a half of the people that you're leading, and that if you get it wrong, there's a very slight chance that you kill somebody in doing it. And so that's why we're all tired, you know? <laughs> and so this mask decision, we don't take this lightly. We've largely followed the government guidance. If you've been vaccinated, don't worry about the mask. If you have not been vaccinated, 
We would prefer you wear a mask largely for us because we've got kids in the building that cannot yet get vaccinated, you know? And so, and if you have kids, we surveyed some parents this week. We, we're changing this from last Sunday night, but we're, we're, we surveyed some families and just decided, parents, you have the option to have your kids wear a mask um, or not, and we're going to leave that in your hands. So you could be... Um, you could be reluctant because of COVID. You could be not sure you want to re-engage Oak City Church. Uh, I've heard this a bunch of times in different ways that pastors should expect 20 to 30% of their church uh, will not be coming back for a variety of reasons. You know, and that's okay. This is not, I said this last Sunday night, some people have moved, some people have moved on, and some people have moved on. This is moved in. This is not the Hotel California. I would just encourage you to make sure that the Lord, you've really sought the Lord with what he wants you to do. And I tell you, um, God's, God's reshaped the church a lot in the last 12 months in the midst of COVID. And our leadership, both on a staff and elder level, I think are better aligned than they've been in a long time. And we're heading into a great season of helping people come to know and follow Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. So you could be reluctant because of COVID, reluctant just for Oak City Church reasons. You could be reluctant because you just don't want to get out of your jammies and get out of the house. You know, I don't want to go. I want to stay. You can't do that anymore. That's over, you know. Like, you got to get up and get moving. Uh, a friend told me a few months ago, he said, uh, I thought this was really well stated. He said, there's a lot of inertia to overcome in terms of regathering and, and getting the church moving again. And I felt like he's right. And I get it. If I'm, if I'm really honest, after 14 years of leading this church and eight years on staff at another church, that's 20 plus years of every Sunday getting up early, the last 14 uh, being anxious about a sermon because the sermon's never done until it's preached, being anxious about who's going to show up and who doesn't, and the greeters are greeted or the visitors are greeted well, and all those different things. And so, you know, for a year largely of waking up when I want to and going for a jog and then watching a pre recorded sermon or, or making breakfast for my family while they watch me pre recorded, which has been awkward, you know, but like there's some inertia for me to overcome too. I've overcome it. You can overcome it. Uh, we need to see you here next week. I said this a few months ago, like we should come to Sunday mornings with a renewed appreciation of what they are. And Sunday mornings are like a series of micro expressions of concern and love for each other. When you get greeted, when you haven't seen somebody for a while, when, it, when you remember a new person's name or their kid's name, or you ask how they are, you care for their kids in the children's ministry, or you lead and serve in some way, those are all micro expressions of love for each other and for God, and they're foundational, they're cornerstone for um, who the church is. And so we need you back. So this morning, I'm going to give a little sermonette, it's not going to be super long, um, of three pictures that, this, that the New Testament uses to describe the church that I think are useful for us right now. And the first one is that the church is like a body. Paul says this, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So it's a body, and a body has many parts, but those parts work perfectly together. Have we felt like a body over the past year? No. No, we have not. I am standing alone in a room talking to a camera, and I've been doing this a lot lately, and this does not feel like a body. Someone asked me the other day, did you think about getting like you know, three, four, five people in there to listen to you preach. I said, the only thing worse than preaching to a camera alone is preaching to three people in here. Like, it's just, this doesn't work. 
And so I'm looking forward to people being back in here. And we've tried to connect in so many different ways. And we have, but it's been hard. It's like taking a jog in some quicksand. We've been disconnected as a body, and we know it's not right. I say this every membership class when I talk about the body. If you were driving down the road today and you saw an arm on the side of the road, you would slam on the brakes, screech to a halt, go like call the cops as you're going to that arm. They would come and wrap the arm up and do everything they could to figure out what body that arm came from and reattach it because they know it's meant to be a part of a body. That is the way that it is with the church. We have been a lot of limbs trying to attach from a distance. Actually, there was a story this week. I'm a little hesitant to mention this, but it's, it was super powerful of a dismembered body in Goldsboro that someone had put in some guy's driveway and he was traumatized by it. And I had to like stop because it makes you like physically ill, you know? And, it, and so I am hesitant to mention that, but I do think that might be how God feels about a church that's, that's not gathered, that, you know, that, that stays apart. And so um, that, it's a great metaphor for us. And it's a great metaphor because the body's amazing. And, you know, we only understand a fraction of how amazing the body is and how complicated it is and the way that it works together. I turned 50 uh, a couple weeks ago, um, which means I'm, I'm old. Now, I don't feel old. I feel great. I eat well. I exercise a lot so that I don't feel 50, so that I feel great. Or maybe this is what 50 feels like. But I did realize that in the past year, I've gone to my doctor. I go to my doctor for a checkup every year, have the last few years just because I want the blood work and if anything's happening, I want to nip it in the bud. I go to a cardiologist because um, I've got some heart stuff that I've had for years, so I go see him every year. I went to an audiologist because I got a little, little ringing in the ears, a little tinnitus that I don't think is because I'm old. I think it has to do with COVID, but I'm not sure. I went to uh, an optometrist because I needed some new glasses who sent me to an ophthalmologist um, who I swear works for the CIA in his spare time because of all the stuff they did because the optometrist said you might have glaucoma, which I don't, but still. And then I went to a urologist because when I went to the physician, some of those numbers came back and he said, you need to go see this guy, but all that was fine. And then I went to a chiropractor because I work out a lot to keep myself healthy and because of that, I'm not healthy and he needs to fix some stuff. So maybe that's not working out. That's seven different doctors for this body. Maybe I am old, but point is that the body is a complicated thing. Like, and it takes a lot of work uh, to keep that, Tuned, tuned in, you know, or tuned up, or however you want to say it. And the church is out of tune right now, you know? Uh, and there's work that it takes to make the church body work the way that the church body is supposed to work. And that's the picture that God gives us, that we need to be together for that to happen. It's not good for man to be alone, he says right in the beginning. And in this picture of the body, in another place, Paul talks about the different gifts and abilities uh, and concerns that, that everybody brings to the body, that there's a real unity in the diversity. And so we need people to teach, and we need people to minister to our children, and we need musicians to lead us in worship, and technical people to make it all run, and greeters, and encouragers, and challengers, and counselors, and leaders, and people to organize us to love our city well, or coach us to um, talk to our neighbors about Jesus. And we've been forced to spend way too much time alone this year. And so the body needs to get back in shape. Paul says the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And Paul is not asking if you feel like you are a part of the body. He's not asking, do you want to be a part of the body? He's saying you are a part of the body. If you are 
if, if you believe in Jesus and what he's done on your behalf, if you're following Jesus as a disciple, you are either a functional part of the church body, a dysfunctional part of the church body, or a non-functioning part of the church body. It's just one of those three things, you know, and those are your, your only options. In the past year, more parts have been more necessary as we've gone through COVID. You know, some people have really had to lean in. Jake has had to lead worship, you know, one way or another over the past year, and that has been a grind, and he's had people in it with him, Julie and John Enzo in particular, but the Pritchetts and Megan, and I'm sure there's people are missing that have been here a lot for that, and people behind the scenes, Daniel figuring out how all the technical stuff works. He's learned a lot more about live streams than he ever wanted to know, and Aiden running the camera, and Tiffany editing so many different videos, and Kelly and, and Sam before Kelly figuring out how to lead our kids in this, and our home group leaders, and, um, and our elders, and myself, and we've worked out as parts of the body, and so we're strong, but we're tired, you know, and other parts haven't had to work as much, and I know everyone's tired because COVID, you know, um, but we need to, that body to come back in, in balance, and now's the time to do that. I'll say another thing about our church in particular. Our church is about 15 years old, and I've said this for a few years, that I feel like, at times, I feel like I lead two churches in one church, and one is people that have been here for 10 years or longer, and one that has been here five years or less, uh, and the people that have been here five years or less feel like they, they feel like they, they rent the church. They don't own it. They feel like they're a little bit on the outside of things and that there's some mystical inside that, they're, that they want to be a part of that they're not. Or they can feel like that. And Paul, and I don't think the people that have been here for a long time feel like that. They all think, and there are a lot of people that have been here for a long time, you know, which is great. But people come and go, and so they're thinking about the people that aren't here anymore. Paul says none of that stuff, you, don't waste your time on that. You know, he says all the parts are necessary. There's no inside and there's no outside. It doesn't matter how long you've been here. If you're here, you're necessary, and you need the church, and the church needs you. Paul goes on, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God's the one that arranged the members in the body, each one of them, just as he chose for them to be arranged. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts yet one body. You are necessary to the body. You're necessary to it functioning the way that it's supposed to. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, uh, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And it doesn't feel like that right now. It doesn't feel like that. Um, we've gone through a lot of things, a lot of them hard and a lot of them bad, and we've gone through some good things, and it doesn't feel like we've suffered together and rejoiced together because we haven't been together, and it's just hard. Like, you can only be so connected, and, and we know that. We're more connected than we've ever been with our devices and the Internet, and we're more isolated than we'd have ever been, and the church needs to be together. Let me insert a second picture for a minute, and that's that the church is like a family. Uh, and so, uh, Timothy, Paul says this to Timothy, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And so, throughout the New Testament, there are um, pictures of the church as, as family, um, that that it's the household of God, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can have spiritual mothers and fathers or spiritual children even and feel like that towards each other. 
Right now, um, Sunday morning, I'm probably sitting with extended family. None of us live really close. And so a strange thing happens when we get together, you know, once a year or every couple of years. It takes a few hours or a few days for us to reconnect, you know, to figure out what to talk about because we're so busy with our own lives that we can't remember what we talked about the last time we were together and don't keep up with each other as much as we should. So we feel a little bit like strangers, you know? And then after a few days, we think, man, I forgot how much I like these people and I really care about these people. And why has it been so long since we've spent this much time together? And what has been so important that we haven't made time to make sure that this happens? That's what the church is gonna feel like for the next few weeks or the next few months. I'm, we're probably going to wear name tags for the, like the next month or so to get everybody kind of reestablished with who everybody is. And you need that. And you need to like dive in and, and re-engage. And that's why John said we got parties coming up and just opportunities to reconnect because the church need that. Your kids need that. We've had so many kids here the last few months on the Sundays we've met. And they're so excited to be back. And, and I am too. I have one that's going to college in the fall. This is really the only church he has known that he'll remember. And one of the things I'll do before he goes is have dinner with three or four men in this church that have known him basically his whole life and have them speak into him and say some things, you know, that they see as, spirit, as almost spiritual fathers or at least spiritual older brothers to him. And man, what a difference that makes. And family matters when it comes to church. I'll tell you this, though, family has difficulties, right? And so uh, it takes a few days for extended family to reconnect, but only a few more days. And again, I'm probably sitting with these folks right now to realize it's a good thing we don't all live under the same roof because we might drive each other crazy or kill each other after a few more days. This is a little too close for comfort, right? And families need the gospel, and church families need the gospel. And so this is the gospel. You were created in the image of God with inherent dignity because you're made in the image of God by a God who loves you like crazy. He does. And you are great, uh, but you are by no means perfect. And that is uh, putting it really, really nicely, you know, and your imperfections and my imperfections run really, really deep. And at their core, they involve an arrogance. I know better than God and better than others what's best for me. And I probably know what's best for others too, you know? Uh, so there's an arrogance to that and a rebellion. I'm going to do what I want to do and no one is going to tell me what to do, even God. And the Bible calls all that sin. It starts with your relationship with God and extends out from there. No one understands and feels the effects of your sin more than the people that you share a house with, no more than your family because you're around each other the most and you depend upon each other the most. And that sin leads to, to death, a spiritual death in your relationship with God a relational death in your relationships with the people around you, and ultimately uh, a physical death. And you can't fix it, and it's the point of Jesus. Uh, he shows you a life submitted to the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and his life was perfect. Even people that don't think Jesus was divine are still talking about how great his life was and a guy he was. And he dies on the cross because sin has consequences that we can't, we can't pay. We can't put the genie in that bottle, back in the bottle. We can't fix it. And so his death on the cross does. And we know that sin has consequences. The sacrifice is necessary. And that's what Jesus' death is for us. And then he rises from the dead to show us that he's for real, that he has true power over sin and death and gives us the hope that the same spirit that raised him from the dead will empower us to change. Families, oh, families need that. All relationships need that. Families 
need that. They need to know it. They need to be able to articulate it to each other, and it matters. It's like oil for an engine, and without it, the engine gets junked up and eventually fails uh, because we, you all have dignity, and you all deserve love no matter what you've done. And You've all done some things and are going to do some things that are going to hurt each other, and that shouldn't surprise us at all. And we've all been offered forgiveness through Jesus, who in turn tells his followers to forgive as they've been forgiven, which means we can't hold the grudges that we tend to hold in families, right, if we're really following Jesus. We need that to push things through and keep going, and we all need to know that this isn't the end. It's just the beginning of things. We're not made for 80 years, but for 80 million. Families are messy. Church families are messy, especially smaller church families that have been around each other for a long time and know each other really well. We need the gospel, and it's part of why families reflect the gospel to the world around them. Families that work in our culture are pretty rare, you know, and the gospel makes families work in a way that makes the people around them notice, and churches do too, um, which is part of why the church is I mean, that idea that the church is the body of Christ to the world is a huge idea, um, especially in a world that has become exponentially more fractured over the past 12 months. It's a picture of God's goodness in us uh, or to us in Christ that we can present to the people around us. Um, and going back to what Paul says, there's, there's unity in a diversity in the body. Uh, they'll know you're Christians by your love for one another. Um, and and that just has, has a massive potential to, to speak to the world around us. Back to the body, and, and this is the job that the body of Christ has to do. Um, the church is the manifest presence of Christ in the world. Um, as a church leader, honestly, I'm not sure that was such a great marketing idea on God's part, but it's, it's one of many ways he manifests himself to the world. And the, and the church has done amazing things in 2,000 years and still does them today, uh, but can be even better. And the world around us needs this, especially uh, now. My wife is, um, is a pediatric nurse and just took a new job, and she's had some stories over the past month or two of just isolation leading to despair, leading to young people um, trying to take their own life, and they're crushing stories. Uh, Tiffany on staff, her parents live down in Clayton, had a neighbor whose adult son OD'd in their house, and it's an opioid heroin. It's a, it's a despair thing. Um, There's a, a, a guy at church um, who I was having lunch with a few months ago, and at the end, he's like, and he's pretty new-ish to Oak City Church, not super connected, and was starting to, they were starting to get connected when COVID hit, and, and now he's like, I, I can't wait for it to, to be back together because, and he said, our, our world needs this right now. Like, we need to be connected. And the gospel, in so many ways, is, is the true way, the best way for us to be connected to each other. I'm going to leave you with one last picture, and that is the, um, that the church is like a flock of sheep. And so this is Peter to a group of elders. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Uh, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you to, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So that's another picture that's used, is that we followers of Jesus are like sheep, and we're a flock of sheep, and Jesus is the chief shepherd. And he says, I'm the good shepherd, my sheep know my voice, and they, they follow me. Sheep don't do well on their own. I don't know a lot about sheep. Um, Nate's talked about sheep 
in times past because they had an uncle that was a real legit shepherd, you know. But they wander off and they got all that. They seem cute, you know, and fuzzy. This is not a compliment. Uh, they're just not very bright. And so they'll wander off and get caught in a thicket and they can't get out because that wool's so thick that they need a shepherd to get them out. And they'll go down by the river and take a drink and they'll get a little too close and they'll start to get wet, but they'll keep drinking and they get wetter and then they just fall out and they're done, you know. And so they need a shepherd and we need, uh, we need that. We need leaders. Um, body, it, there's another passage that says Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And so we need to be led. And families need, you know, God is our father. And so he's ultimately that. But families need fathers and mothers to lead them. And flocks of sheep need shepherds. Uh, we need to be led. And we need to not be alone because sheep don't do well on their own. And Christians don't do well on their own either. Um, it's easy to get distracted, uh, to forget what's important, to get lazy, um, to not exercise spiritual gifts that God's given you for the, for the sake of his kingdom and to, to get spiritually out of shape, to start losing perspective. And I said something, there's a message I gave a few, maybe a month or two ago now that has stuck with me, and I'll bring it back up, about how we need people in our lives that are going to tell us, hey, I love you. I really care about you. Uh, here's who you are in Christ. Because I can see areas of your life where you're not believing that or where you're forgetting it and it's manifesting itself. Um, and people that will tell us, hey, the bar is, is high. And in the areas where we're keeping it low, they need to tell us the bar is high. People do that. People do that. And people do that in the context of relationship. And with that, there's worship and we need chances to worship together that point us towards the Lord. And we need to join together for mission. All that stuff happens in the context of the church. You need it. I need it. I need you, this church needs you, and so make every effort, if not next week and the following weeks after that, to, to regather with your church. And if you're not here, if you're watching from someplace else, find a church that you can get to be a part of um, because that's what you're made for. Father, thanks for uh, some light at the end of this tunnel, Lord. Um, God, thanks for for bringing us through this, and not just bringing us through this, but uh, growing us in the midst of this season. Thanks for what you have ahead of us, Lord. Um, I pray that you would, um, in whatever way we need it, comfort us if we need comfort, that it's okay to come back, or challenge us if we need to be challenged, um, that we need to come back, Lord. But this is your church. All things were created by you, and through you, and for you. And so this is your church, Lord. And would you gather it and build it as we move forward? We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.